Be the Good is all about people doing good in the world while following their passions, good for their own souls and for others. I'm Kate Cherichello, and welcome to today's episode. If you are enjoying these stories, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean so much. You can also join our Facebook community under the group title, Be the Good with Kate Cherichello. Let's spread a little more goodness in the world. Today's guest on Be the Good with Kate is Indu Navar. She is the CEO of Everything ALS. A cause very close to her heart, I'll let her share the details, but just so listeners do know what ALS is. Some people may have heard it referred to as Lou Gehrig's disease, but it's a progressive neurodegenerative disease that affects nerve cells in the brain and spinal cord. And there are no specific tests to diagnose ALS, so patients often suffer for years not knowing what is wrong. And even if they are diagnosed, there are no treatments. Life expectancy is only two to five years. But everything ALS is conducting research using AI technology to spot and track signs of ALS. The nonprofit is also partnering with a pharmaceutical company to help promote accelerated development of digital trackers for neurological diseases with the hope of one day having a test and cure. So Indu, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. So I gave listeners just a tiny blip of what you are doing, but please tell us more about who you are and what you do in your own words. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a software entrepreneur. Uh, so my background is really electrical engineering, um, undergraduate and master's in computer science. And I've been a technologist for many years and I've been in the ground floor of, um, um, you know, being, um, cha- making a change in the technology mm-hmm. world for the last 20 years. And I was in the you know, founding team of um, what today is WebMD. When we started it, it was called Healthion. And then after that, I went and started my own company, which I pretty much literally started in my dining room. Uh, and, um, and it was a product that was um, kind of the big data, you know, data play in for manufacturing. It was um, because the manufacturing was going through a um, lot of changes, as you know, today, you know, our, our products, we want to customize it the way we want it. And we want, we want to ship now. And the change started happening about 15 years ago or 20 years ago. And that's kind of what my company started doing was as we are outsourcing our manufacturing, how do we actually create that visibility and give tools for these manufacturers to make real-time decisions? So it's a lot of the data play and making real-time decisions. So, um, and I sold the company in 2014 and my husband was at Amazon for about 18 years he's helped build Amazon cloud and Amazon you know mechanical turf many other innovations and he and I joined hands we said you know we're going to do we're going to start working together kind of do early retirement we were still young and um, we said we want to actually do what we want to do and work with people we want to work with so we kind of started our own um, consulting slash advising and investing company and we would invest in startups. You would work with large companies. And, you know, that, I mean, life was really good, charming. Anything we touched was, um, you know, it, it was great. We really didn't see any issues in our lives. It was just life was good until it was not. So he started having his first um, symptoms of, you know, his um, ankle not really behaving properly. We thought, oh, you know, might be you sprained your ankle. And he kind of knew, he's like, it seems like it's, it's not sprained, but we went through the usual, you know, go to the chiropractor, go to the orthopedic and go to um, 
million other therapists. And um, then we got to the neurologist pretty early. And the neurologist said, um, you know, hey, it's so early to say what it is. So let's just wait and see how bad it gets. And, you know, for me sitting there going, how can that be? How can you be early to any disease? I mean, don't we have anything to really figure out what it is? And can't we at least make an attempt to measure what's going on instead of just come back after eight months or 12 months and we'll see how bad it is? And um, anyway, to make it shorter, I know you've got other questions you're going to ask me is uh, it was getting worse. It was getting worse. His walking was getting worse. We got into being, you know, he started getting into being a, using a cane and that very soon into a walker. And I'm going, okay, this is getting horrible. I mean, like you have not, I have not seen anything degrade so fast, you know, where um, it, it's not structural. I can't even explain to you how horrifying it is to stay in that place where you sit down on the sofa and next thing you know, you can't get up anymore. And you, you just, you just can't because your nerves don't work and your body don't work. And then, you know, and people can't tell you what it is yet. We kind of know it may be this, it might be fatal where you're going to die in two years, but we still don't know. So I would say, you know, that was probably the worst thing I've ever come across. I didn't even know this, this world existed, this whole dark place existed where we are in a technology world of touching everything and, you know, kind of uh, problem solving. We solve problems. And, um, and if we don't sleep, we say, oh, just put on your aura ring. If you want to learn more about your, how you're working out, do Fitbit. And I'm going, why don't we have something like this where we can actually measure what is going on in a fine detail so that we can see what's going on. It's not like, you know, come back after 12 months and we'll see how, where you are. And when you say we see, they literally just see like, you know, what you see, there's no diagnosis. There is no, we did, you know, the, it's called, the, uh, it's also called diagnosis of elimination. That is you do all the tests and you say, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. Oh, then it's ALS. So you go through, there's a fatigue in getting diagnosed there's a fatigue in, you know, by the time you get diagnosed and it's, um, it's really, it's, you lose so much hope. And that's kind of what I want to change. Wow. Wow. No. How did you go from, you know, going through this whole process, life-changing, terrible, you know, there are no words event to this entire foundation. Like what was that? Okay. Moment that we're going to make a change and how did you get it off the ground into what it is now? I lost the love of my life. That's what it was. Um, I saw, sorry, I saw my husband suffer, which was the most terrible thing I thought, you know, um, it, it, it was just very, very tough to see somebody who is just such a genuine person. He's a great person. He's a good person. He's, he did the right thing in the world and to see him suffer and uh, go through where, you know, we lost him. We lost him in 2019. And um, I just thought it was, it was not okay. It was not okay that we lost him because not because, you know, is there everything we did every, every, we put our best effort forward 
No, we haven't. As human beings, we have not really put our best effort forward to really figure out how to actually um, stop this happening. And this is a disease we know for 100 years. And if you see our lives in the last 20 years, it's changed because we've brought so much technology in to give us, make our life better. But if you look at ALS, nothing has happened in last, you know, many, many years. So that was my, um, I actually knew this is what I was going to do. And I'm going to dedicate my life to fixing this because for me, it's personal and it might not be Peter, but there are a lot of people like Peter out there. And secondly, I just don't want his name to be associated with somebody who died because of the disease. I want it to be associated with he changed his suffering meant he changed the landscape of this disease. That's how I want him to be remembered. And it'll be incredible legacy. And already with what you've done, uh, I'm definitely going to link to the website too, because even just reading, there's so many resources there and educational materials, but also to see the science and you're on a mission, not just to raise money to send to an outside organization that seems so detached. Like I was on that website saying, oh, this is exactly where donations are going. And this is exactly how they're in the weeds on it. And I thought that really stood out, especially compared to a lot of other organizations that, that raise money and they're all, they're all beneficial, you know, but to really see that, that right you know, on the ground, how you're working through it is, is really amazing. And, and that is something that I did due diligence on, you know, when I said, I'm going to start the foundation, um, when Peter passed away, you know, two days later, I went and started the um, incorporated two this. Days, two yeah. days so later. I, I, knew, I knew exactly what my journey is going to be. And I know exactly what I need to do. So um, I incorporated two days later. And, um, and I know this is also my way of keeping him alive with me. You know, and this is what I chose to keep him alive with is touching other people's lives uh, through him and his suffering. And um, for me, that's very, very important that he's alive and his energy is, you know, still breathing and touching other people. And I did a lot of uh, due diligence on looking at other organizations. If, you know, I, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I don't want to, I want, I'm not doing this because I want to feel good. I, want, I don't want to do this because I want to do something that's already been done. I want to do things because there is a gap in the market. I'm doing this because there is nothing out there which has to be done. And that's why I partnered with, you know, the top institutions in this field. And I've, I've actually partnered with the top people in this field who actually, if they say there is a gap, then I know there is a gap because I don't want to be wasting my energy and my team's energy on something that we're not going to move the needle. We are determined to move the needle. Like I said, none of us are here because we want to feel good. We're not doing this because of any other reason other than because we've all lost our loved ones. And we're here because we think it was not okay um, for what happened to them because we all believe that we, we as human beings did not do best effort to actually understand this disease and do the right thing by bringing in certain mechanics that we need to come up with treatments. And so when we did the due diligence, um, 
the, the one thing that was very clear is it requires a lot of getting the weeds and rolling up the sleeve. And I did not see that there is somebody out there who's going to do it. And that's why I started this. I said, okay, you know, it, we can't just be, we, I'm not the kind of person who sits on the bleacher and tells what is not being done. If it's not being done, I want to go fix it. So um, I got my team who are just like me, who have actually been touched by this disease or very passionate about this disease. And we all said, we're going to roll up our sleeve and fix this. We're not victims. We have to fix it. Because if somebody else had done it, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't have lost our loved ones. And we lost somebody because there was nobody else who did it. So we can't go on life like this. And we also believe that we need to leave you know, this world a better place than we found it. And we need to, you know, do this for our next generation. And um, we strongly believe that, you know, being good, doing the right thing is the most important thing as human beings we need to do. And that is a perfect segue into, do you have those people that you've been able to interact with through this process, you know, of creating what you've created? Do you have stories that about any pieces of the science that have shifted for the better in these last two years that you'd like to share that the hope. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we all came together um, in early 2020. We actually started in May of 2020. Since then it's a 24 by seven because not because it's work, it's passion. It's, we are in it, you know, and, and I, I have never run a for nonprofit company before. I've run, you know, corporations and I have built companies where, you know, you say, this is your uh, pay, this is your equity. And, you know, if you work hard, we're going to, but there's nothing here. You know, I can't give them a tomorrow's dream in terms of equity, but what I can give them is tomorrow's dream about fixing something that is broken. And, uh, and the team that I have come together and we started working on May of 2020 was our first, you know, uh, launch. And I have to say, these people have become family. I've never had a better team than, um, and ever. I've never thought that this human passion and purpose has got so much energy. And for me, it's life-changing to see that this is so true. I've only read it. I've only, you know, kind of, you know, heard it. But now we're living it and I see my team, the way they respond, the way they actually put their everything and um, it's beyond explanation why people do what they do. Uh, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's such a deep, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a deep purpose. And this is the first time I've had this experience of people coming together and not only you know, the team, and we have partnered with uh, IBM Research, um, Mass General Harvard, uh, MIT, um, and now very, very large pharma companies. And, um, and, you know, each one of them brings so much. And I'm just blown away by this human capacity to come together when there is nothing but truth and nothing but focus on fixing something and doing the right thing. And I, I mean, I, that's why we've done what we've done. We actually see the science. We are really excited. We started, um, so just as an example, um, in ALS and like any neurological diseases, we tend to think of it as 
we, we, we are fitting into a same infrastructure as um, either it's a mechanical device, like, you know, our heart or a kidney or a liver, even, even cancer with the tumor. It's very, very different in neurology. You don't see anything you don't, it's in the brain. So the, but, but there's a lot of output of the data that's coming out through your speech, through your facial changes, through how you type, how you move, through how you walk and how you climb stairs, how you breathe. So what we do is we actually take all those elements and try to use machine learning and AI technology, which is you know um, a very good use for this technology to really detect early and also the progression of this disease very finitely because we're now able to monitor continuously. And that was the vision I had when we, when we went to the very well-known neurologist and when they said, come back after eight months, I said, why don't we have something? Why don't I get, get a portal where he is, we are measuring his speech, his walking, his talk, you know, his movements. And so I could, but there was nothing there. And that's what we're trying to fix right now is to bring something like that so that we can, um, measure the progression. And this measurement will be also used in clinical trials in the pharmaceutical clinical trials so that they can be able to say, oh, okay, this drug is really working in small details because right now it's, it's just, it's, it's very hard to measure the effectiveness of the drug in the trial as well. Just like, you know, it's two sides of the same coin. And I read too, right? It's, it's, tell me if this is the correct statistic, Every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS? Exactly, exactly. Every yes. 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS, and every 90 minutes, somebody dies of ALS. So it's a revolving yes. door. So that, yeah. if you look at prevalence and incidence, it's the same as MS, or a little okay. bit higher, I think. Um, but, but because people don't live for a long time, um, the, the problem is also we have got opposing factors, um, is from the time you get your first symptom to people pass away is from two to five years. Um, but it takes 18 months to two years to get diagnosed. So if you really see, you know, the math doesn't work out, like, you know, how many people will actually go undiagnosed, right? And so the incident rate is pretty high. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I think we're, we're underreporting it if you, if, you, if you ask me in a lot of ways, just because I talk to people and they know someone or somebody, their family members or their relatives or their friend who has ALS. So it's, it just bogs me down. Like, you know, this is not something unheard of. It's rare, but, but at some point, like there is always in United States, there is about 40,000 people living with ALS. And I think even that is probably, like I said, um, uh, as an issue with number, how do you count the number because of this revolving door that happens? There is about close to half a million people in in the in the world living wow. with the disease. But again, like I said, you know, because it's a fast moving disease, it's it's you really can't measure it by how many people are living with it. You got to measure it by, you know, how many relatives are out there who could actually have a higher degree of getting the disease. That's millions of people. So that's kind of where we are trying to fix for. Wow. Thank you. That's, I mean, it's just amazing that too, in such a short amount of time, you already have this much happening too. You know, so many organizations take two years just to get off the ground and you, in two years, you have 
partnerships with giant companies. You have very specific plan for the next steps and you have all of this happening with the tracking that's that's hopefully soon going to be put into to the different charts and whatnot. So that's amazing. And I mean, I'm sure if every disease had someone like you at the helm fighting for it, it there'd be a lot that would get done. So this is incredible. And I do want to say that um, people now tell me that, you know, actually we have a partnership with Roche as well. And, you know, they were telling me we're going to be speaking at one of the events. And yesterday when we were having discussion, they said, you know, you're modernizing advocacy or you're an advocacy 3.0. You know, there's all these things that have been thrown around with what we do because people want to replicate it and I want to replicate it and I want to help replicate it. So um, I, I really think the advocacies can play a bigger role in this modern world than just being on the, you know, support group, right? Sure. I mean, we need to play a bigger role in trying to partner with the researchers, partner with the, you know, pharma companies. And I really think that is very, very important. And yes, for that, you need to have a data, pla a data um, platform. You need to have, you know, my technology background really came into play here because I know how to build the data platforms. Um, but the cool thing is we can actually scale this to many other diseases. And that's our goal. Wow. Wow. Now, Indu, are there any you know, quotes that get you through each day, especially when things just feel like you said 24 seven nonstop or any sayings that you always go back to? You know, a um, couple of things come to mind. Um, I don't know, I'm not gonna exactly say the quote, but that's in my head, right? I'm gonna, it's uh, one of those things Dalai Lama said is, you know, it's not about crying and missing your loved one. If you truly wanna grieve someone, do something that was, you know, was close to their heart. What, what would have they wanted you to do? And I think that really works very well for me. And this is how I keep Peter. And this is what he wanted me to do. And, and this is how I, you know, grieve or I keep him alive with me or whatever you call that. That's, that is something, you know, and um, the other one is by, uh, Rabbi uh, Leonard, um, I, I actually uh, was in the Kippur, Kippur uh, service and I saw this. What he wrote was about, you know, um, death is our, really is, is mysterious. It'll happen to all of us. There is going to be a day that's going to come that yesterday won't be the same anymore. We're going to have scarred hearts. We're going to have, death is our destiny. We are going to lose someone that we can bear. And we don't know what to do with that loss. But as human beings, it's not that we're asking for death to be postponed. We're saying, knowing that we're, we have that vulnerability, how do you actually live with that? How do you actually live with a purpose? How do you actually, you know, treat each other what do you want to live your life to be it, it was just very profound for me when I read that and then I realized you know it was it was very early after I lost Peter um, two months later when I read this and I came across this it really works very well for me because I realized I'm not a victim this is like now this has changed me to think about my purpose 
you know, because knowing that all of us are going to live for a, you know, limited time on this world. And I really want to leave a better place for, you know, people who come after me. And, and that's, that's, those are the two things that I live by and, you know, really work well for me. And they are both so, so powerful too. Thank you. Uh, thank you. And do, if, if someone came to you and wanted to make a difference, but they didn't know where to start, they wanted to fight for a cause, what would you tell them? I would say, just do it. You know, I think, I think sometimes we have a way to uh, analysis paralysis. You know, we can talk mm-hmm. ourselves out of doing it. Take first step, do little thing. And what I've realized through this journey is how many people want to join us? How many people want to help us? How many people, because this has touched when you work at the human level. I mean, it doesn't matter what, where you are, what, you know, what you wear. It's just, it's, it's really, I have been blown away by how many people have said, I want to help. What can I do? And um, these are, you know, people that um, have, have ability to really help and also some people who are compassionate. It doesn't matter. It's like, you know, um, so, so sometimes I have a hard time figuring out how to ask them to be involved. It's like, you know, okay, I'm coming up with, okay, this strategy. Okay, can you help with this strategy? Can you help with, you know, so now we're kind of expanding beyond what we're doing to say, how do we get 100,000 people be involved in this, right? And how do we make room for everybody? How do we get contribution from their brain, from what they, you know, what, what they've done? It's, it's kind of, you know, so, so that's kind of something that we're working on. Um, you know, if you, if you take a similar uh, approach to um, software, we created open source and open source helped bring so many people from every walks of life to come in and contribute. And we are today you know, um, enjoying that whole group community coming together where our, you know, lives have gotten a lot better because of that. Um, so it's, it's the same way, you know, how do we get more people, more diverse thinking? How do we get, um, so I'm, I'm still, you know, working through how it's going to look. So um, I would say just take the first step and I'm telling you people will come join. Well, also though, what you just said about being blown away by all the people who want to help, that says so much about the leadership. So it says so much about you and your leadership team too, because it, it does, it trickles down that passion that you want to support someone who has this fire and this love about them, which is so obvious with you. So I can't thank you enough for being here and talking with me today, Indu. Now, please tell everyone where we can follow you and find you and learn more. Yeah. Um, so everything ALS.org is our website and we are, um, please go to our YouTube video. Uh, our channel is everything ALS. Um, we have um, a lot of content there. And, yes. you know, if you know anyone with ALS um, who want to learn more, even if they're scientists, researcher, there's a lot of material there. Preschool subscribe, go to our, you know, Twitter, Instagram, um, our Facebook and, you know, we, we are creating a biggest research, citizen research. What we're saying is that every human being can help. Every human being can actually be part of this. With ALS, without ALS, come in and join our research. Go to everythingals.org slash research and get yourself engaged because 10 minutes of your time every week is going to change life. 
it's going to save children, you know, who are going to, I mean, now we're seeing young people getting ALS. So let's stop this, you know, because we've known this for 100 years, we got to stop this. And, and so we got to go on to doing, solving other problems. And yeah, so get involved in the research, be part of it. And if you have the capacity to donate, you know, we would appreciate to everything ALS.org slash donate. So anything you do will really help us move this forward. Indu, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Kate. Thanks so much for listening to Be The Good with Kate Cherichello. Whether you're listening on YouTube or via podcast, it would mean the world if you like, subscribe, and or left a review. You heard about the good? Now go out and be the good in your life this week. If you have stories of good news that need to be shared, please send me a message. Thanks again and have a great week.